Hello friends, welcome to God's Ego Ministries. At God's Ego Ministries, we are seeding the nations with God's word and God is transforming lives through his timeless truth. One content at a time. Well, one in Christ Jesus, let's stay one. My name is Ambassador Mandy. And today is the 28th of February, 2023. And Otaka content count for you today is 2,220,808 and uh, the title today in our series of perfect relationship 24 tools for building bridges to harmony and taking down walls of conflict in our relationships uh, episode 15 wounded parents overcoming discouragement action points for deep personal healing for parents with true life stories eight life transforming questions to ask yourself so let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you again for the gift of access, for the privilege to call upon your name. Your name is a high tower, and we the righteous run to it, and we are safe, and we are righteous because of the finished work upon the cross of Calvary, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Take all the praise and honor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I hide behind the cross, I ask, uh, Holy Spirit, that you breath light upon this content, that as it goes out, it will reach into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, bone and marrow of as many that will be hearing this, so that it will kickstart them to be all that you call them to be and to do in these times and seasons. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So friends, uh, last week in our series on Perfect Relationship, we explored episode 14, You Are the Problem, Not Me, How to Stop the Pain externalists comparing and playing the blame game true stories true stories and lessons on the pains of comparing ourselves with ourselves blaming others and the danger of driving forward with rear view mirror in our relationship charles and marilyn martin and their three adult children failing marriages and stories on looking back what went wrong and what if robin robin jack stevenson's son richard Arthur, Betsy Wallace, and Susan, Phil, Constance Fisher, and Jeff. Today we're looking at episode 15, and some of this name will still feature uh, based on the lessons that we get in there. Episode 15 Wounded Parents Overcoming Discouragement, Action Points for Deep Personal Healing for Parents with True Life Stories, Eight Life Transforming Questions to Ask Yourself. Overcoming Discouragement. In time, a wounded parent, anyway, the wounded parent is a parent that the uh, children have um, wounded them either by behavior or acting in ways that are contrary to the um, uh, set processes and procedures or moral procedures in the home. So in time, a wounded parent becomes a discouraged parent, one deprived of confidence, hope, or spirit. As the dictionary says, the word discouragement uh, literally means the state of having one's courage reversed. One wounded parent told us that when his son was arrested by the police, the experience was like having the wind knocked out of him. Another, when she discovered that her daughter was engaging in premarital sex, described her feeling as a deep sense of disappointment, wherein her hopes, desires, and expectations for her daughter were totally frustrated. Instead of continuing to sink into discouragement or disappointment, these parents were blessed 
with the will to overcome their sense of despair over their actions of their children. The fact that you are still following this series on 24 tools for building bridges of harmony and taking down walls of uh, conflict in our relationship means that you too have the will, the desire to work to overcome parental discouragement. Um, the search for healing, action points for deep personal healing for parents with true life stories. Most wounded parents want answers for questions as how did this happen? We did the best we could as parents. So what went wrong? Why did God allow this to happen? Why didn't God help keep this from happening? In reality, wounded parents do not need answers to such questions. If in fact there are answers, this information will not be helpful with regard to the future. If you did have all the information as to why your child went astray, what would you do? Avoid a repeat performance with the next child? Possibly. But given the uniqueness of every child, it is not likely that information will make that much difference. When their parents do not need information as much as they need healing. What do I mean by healing? First of all, we need to understand the nature of the wounds. The wounded parents' injuries are emotional, discouragement, disappointment, depression, despair, a sense of failure, anger, frustration, grief, guilt, a feeling of rejection, and self-pity. We discussed this in the, in the earlier episodes, in specifically episode 14. Now, how is a physical wound treated? A diagnosis is made, location, size, type, for example, knife or bullet, depth and the extent of damage. The wound is usually cleaned with antiseptic. If it is large, it may need stitches, then proper bandaging. Finally, time and considerable dependence on the body's restorative power completes the process. Emotional wounds need to be assessed also. This means that you begin with yourself, a deep, serious, and honest self-examination. It's a good biblical idea, as Paul once suggested in 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 31. Many of us have never taken the time to look at ourselves closely. Jesus alluded to self-examination in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, where he told us not to judge, but to remove the log from our own eyes so we can see clearly, to remove the splinter in, the, in our brother's eyes. Jesus was saying we should judge ourselves and not others, you see. Examine, judge, discern, and evaluate the nature of your hurting, whether it is self-pity, guilt, anger, or an honest anxiety for the welfare of the wayward son or daughter. At least identify the nature of the wound. How do you do this? I suggest two methods. Primarily, you need to talk about your feelings so you can get a clear and objective look at them. This means you need to find one or more sets of willing to learn ears that will be understanding, objective, accepting, supportive, and reflective. In addition, you can determine to use this experience as an opportunity for your own spiritual growth. Therefore, I'm suggesting both an individual and a group-oriented approach to healing. This is a program of working on yourself both in private and in a supportive group. You may need to begin with individual counseling if you have access to a qualified person. Consider your pastor. Does he have the training and experience to help you? Some pastors do and others do not. At least consider the possibility of giving him the opportunity to help you. If it's not a good choice for counseling, there may be other possibilities. 
another pastor who is qualified by training and experience, a full-time clinical pastor or counselor in a counseling center, or a Christian professional counselor, psychologist, social worker, psychiatrist, or marriage and family counselor could be helpful. Moreover, you can find another wounded parent who has experienced healing from God. In your church, there are probably several. Such a person might be willing to be your sounding board. Remember that he or she has worked where you now work and has something to offer you out of that experience. Such a search for experienced ears may well result in the discovery of a group of wounded parents. The most important method of identifying your wounds and beginning the healing process will be your personal examination, although not entirely separate from your spouse. So eight life-transforming questions to ask yourself. Action points, personal questions, and authentic, ans- uh, authentic answers about yourself as parents. Eight life-transforming questions to ask yourself. The examination I have in mind will seek to answer basic questions such as, Who am I? Number one. Number two. What motivates my behavior? Number three. How do I feel about myself? Number four. What are my life goals? Number five, what kind of person am I? Number six, how do other people see me? Number seven, how do I relate to those about me? Number eight, in all honesty, what basic changes could I make in my attitudes and behavior that will improve the atmosphere in my home and the relationship I have with those nearest to me? The birth of hope. If you can discover some answers to the question just listed, you will be on your way to change and growth. You will begin to experience a bed of hope. You may not be able to do much to change the attitudes and behavior of a rebellious son or daughter. At least it seems that way for the present. But you can do something about yourself. When you get to the point where you can say, I cannot change either the circumstances that surround my family and me or the cause of events that have already transpired, but I can change me, then hope will have been born in your life. Please realize that I am not leaving God out in saying this. Actually, any deep desire on your part to change yourself will itself be a gift from God. God is not a God of stagnation. How do you change yourself? You change by growing. But in this, you are not alone. Growth is an act of God because God is the creator of the life you have. And a vital part of that creative process is the process of growth. Your responsibility is to put yourself in a position where growth can be stimulated and encouraged. When Harrod and Connie Morris realized that Melissa might run away again at any time, they agreed that something had to change, since they were virtually powerless to change Melissa. It occurred to them in counseling with their pastor that they could possibly do something about themselves. After all, why would Melissa want to run away from them? What will she reject them? Why will she reject them? Excuse me. What were her pairs offering her that her parents were not providing? Both Harold and Connie agreed with their pastor that they needed a serious re-examination of family priorities. For the Morrises, their re-examination began with each of them as a parent. They decided to spend 30 minutes each morning in private, Harold in their bedroom, Connie in the kitchen, before breakfast, in a systematic plan of Bible reading and prayer, seeking specific ways to change themselves. Starting this simple endeavor brought a birth of hope into this family. 
this is not all they did or all that happened to them. I'm only pointing out how they started the process of growth in overcoming their parental discouragement. Spiritual growth, a new strategy. What is spiritual growth? A clear definition is needed. There's a lot of confusion and narrow thinking about what these words mean. As I see it, spiritual growth is a process of developing one's relationship with God, who is revealed in Jesus Christ, and allowing God, with your active cooperation, to produce in you the personality and character he intended, which will reflect through your personal uniqueness something of likeness of Jesus, of the likeness of Jesus. As a process, growth takes time. As long as there is life, growth is taking place. Consequently, we never arrive. The Christian is always in the process of becoming. The Christian life is a journey. Christians are pilgrims, not settlers. Recall that the basic invitation of Jesus to become one of his disciples was, Follow me, in John chapter 21, uh, verse 22. It, it is certainly possible for one's relationship to God to become stagnant, retarded, or arrested. You know. My greatest growth as a Christian of over 25 years or more was in the past five years, and the growth process is still ongoing. I've not arrived yet. I'm not where God intended for me to be, character-wise. Remember, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit, as depicted in Galatians 5, 21-22, have to do with difficulty in relationships, especially with others. It's about handling our emotions. As long as our emotions are still screwed up in some ways or many ways, we are still some serious work in progress. Grinding, pruning, cutting off will continue. And this is a very painful process. God does not schedule it. He permits it for his overall work in transforming you into the image and likeness of his dear son, Jesus Christ. The sad thing about it was that for so long I was not aware of it. It took a crisis to expose my lack of growth in so many areas of my life, especially in relationship with others. Many of us think that because we go to church regularly, participate in various church activities, hold setting offices in the church, even be the pastor, have some familiarity with the Bible, and know how to offer a prayer that we are spiritually mature. Such reasoning is shallow thinking. Spiritual growth is a process in which one's relationship with God is maturing. The maturing process involves several facets of one's total being, body, mind, spirit, life, or soul, and will. It includes becoming increasingly sensitive to the reality of the presence of God in our life. It includes expanding our awareness of God's plan and will for our life, including both the overall blueprint and the particular and daily details. It involves becoming increasingly responsive to the will of God for my life in both trust and obedience. The maturing process, in other words, involves the sensitizing of the inner persons. If you read Ephesians 3.16, it gives you more clarity there. To the presence and the will of Jesus Christ in and for my life and for my family. Moreover, spiritual growth is a process in which one's various social rules also mature. As a human being, you live out several roles in relation to others, husband or wife, father or mother, son or daughter, friend, neighbor, work associate, employer or employee, citizen, church member, member of a racial group, member of a profession or vocation, businessman or woman, pastor, mayor, senator, school teacher, principal, soldier, store manager, physician, a lawyer, aunt or uncle, nephew or niece, the list seems endless for each person. 
You see, as a human being, you are not an isolated individual. You are a social being related in some way or another to other social beings. A maturing Christian life includes the way we live out all of these social rules. I cannot be a Christian person devoid of my responsibility as a Christian parent. One automatically entails the other. Therefore, the maturing process involves a sensitizing of the way I relate to others through all of my social rules as a follower of Jesus Christ. Love for God, for example, requires an effort to love others also, as depicted in 1 John 4, 7-21. is one reason why spiritual grace is so vital for improving our relationship with other people, including parents-child relationships. Consequently, spiritual growth becomes a new strategy for overcoming parental discouragement. This was true for me and for several other wounded parents with whom we have worked. However, keep in mind that although wounded parents may feel driven to new experiences in spiritual growth because of their problems with their children, all of us have discovered that God was simply using, although not causing, our tragedies to bring us to a new and more meaningful relationship with Him, which helped us to become stronger Christian parents and persons than we had been. Spiritual growth, the healing process. In every instance, the wounded parent mentioned thus far discovered spiritual growth in time was also a healing process. When Phil and Constance Fisher discovered Jeff's involvement with drugs, they were thoroughly confused as to why Jeff would do such a thing. They could not understand why the influence of their Christian home had not served as a better deterrent than it had. They truly felt that they had done the best they could to provide Jeff with the environment of a God-centered, Christ-honoring home. They not only were disappointed in Jeff, they also were shaken about their Christian faith as they had understood and practiced it. They felt that something vital must have been missing. Their heart was aimed not only at Jeff but also toward their relationship with God. When the fishers reached the bottom of despair, they refused to acknowledge defeat as Christians. Instead, they determined to find out what was possibly missing in their relationship to God. Later, they decided that it wasn't any missing element in their Christian home that caused Jeff to do what he did. Several factors played a part in his choices. But the Fishers did discover a vital relationship with God as they chose to engage in definite program of spiritual growth. As a byproduct, spiritual growth became for them, as wounded parents, a healing process. Specifically, what did the fishers do? First of all, they built, they both decided that as a result of their experience with Jeff, they wanted to grow spiritually. Phil and Constance both believed that they could not afford to let this experience go by and not come out of it as stronger Christians, parents and persons than they had been. Second, they committed themselves to a special private worship time with God each morning, a systematic program of Bible reading chosen along with prayer, meditation, diary keeping for recording prayer requests, impressions, and insight gained during this time. The initial 15-minute time block gradually grew to 30 or more minutes. Third, the Fishers began a program of reading carefully selected books of by Christian writers, several Good suggestions came from their minister, the church librarian, and a local Christian bookstore manager. From time to time, Phil and Constance will discuss with each other what they were learning from their reading. They found that by reserving an hour for such reading uh, before retiring to bed, they could read several books a year. 
Fourth, the officials sought out other wounded parents and with the help of their minister began meeting with three other couples on a regular basis in the homes of the group members. For two hours, one evening, a week for several weeks, these couples shared their common struggles, offering each other insight, support, and encouragement. The officials discovered that by combining their private spiritual growth disciplines with a sharing group experience, they not only received considerable stimulus for growth, but also contributed to the growth of other parents who had been through similar experiences. After several months, officials realized that the healing process had been taking place in their lives and that their feelings of discouragement had turned into an exciting adventure of discovering levels of living never known before. This is not to imply that all of Jeff's problems evaporated. Phil and Constance continued to go through some difficult times with their son. However, it, was, it wasn't long before Jeff realized that something unusual was happening to his parents. And the changes taking place in their lives in time became the stimulus for change in Jeff's behavior and attitude, spiritual growth, a new goal. The officials discovered a new goal for their family, spiritual growth. This is not to suggest that spiritual growth should become an end in itself. Quite the contrary. The officials' growth became the means for God to become a vital life-changing force in their lives. Instead of being consumed by self-pity, discouragement, anger, depression, and despair, Phil and Constance release Jeff to God's care and did something about themselves. As the relationship with God deepened, the officials learned that Jeff was not simply their problem. He was God's problem too. And God had his own special way of dealing with Jeff. They learned to release Jeff into God's keeping each morning. This was a tremendous relief. Spiritual growth brought an awareness of God's control over their unique situation. By concentrating daily on the nature and depth of our relationship with God, we are less likely to become sidetracked by anxiety, worry, and the fear over what's happening or could happen to our children. Moreover, healthy spiritual growth, not the egocentric Jesus and I self-absorbed kind, motivates us to reach out to others who are experiencing similar problems and pain and offer our healing support. The God who turned the cross into a resurrection can work similar wonders in your family. Although maybe not in the way you desire or expect, in a few years hence you can look back and see that God knew what he was doing and did the best thing for everyone involved. The strength of a support group, accountability partners, when their parents tend to feel cut off and alone in their dilemma. It is normal to want to withdraw from others when your son or daughter behaves in a way that you feel reflects badly on your parental and Christian faith. You are embarrassed. You feel like a failure. You don't know what to say when people ask what happened or how it happened. This is doubtly difficult if you are a respected leader in a church. Imagine how a pastor feels when he recalls the words of 1 Timothy 3.5. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? It doesn't help much to remember that the sons of Eli, the priests, were worthless men. They had no regard for the Lord, 1 Samuel 2.12, or that Samuel's sons went astray, 1 Samuel 8.3. This is a time when you need other people, especially those who have worked where you worked and have strength to offer. My experience with wounded parents has taught me that involvement in a small group is invaluable. You will learn that you are not alone. Most 
every church has several wounded parents as your pastor to help you arrange for a group to meet together to discuss the possibility of becoming a supporting ministry to each other. Several books about small groups could be consulted for getting started. We'll share books about small groups later for suggested titles as we go along in our episodes. A support group can offer a sounding board for your feeling, helping you to understand them. A support group can give you a sense of a larger family of concern. The typical nuclear family, father, mother, children, lives at a great distance from other relatives, for instance, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or cousins. This extended family wants function to provide considerable support and encouragement during times of crisis. A support group can help to make up for that loss. A support group can offer the knowledge of wider experience, helpful suggestions, ideas for coping and evaluation of your opinions that could prove beneficial as you try to relate to a wayward child. A support group can in several ways become a type of life support system for an unstable family situation without which that family will disintegrate. A wayward son or daughter can create a strain on the marriage of the parents on how to create a support group. We'll share that later in uh, the episode. So start, just stand by. The pain and the gain of growth. At first, spiritual growth can be painful. Many active church people have difficult, great difficulty admitting to themselves or to others that they need to change. They mistakenly believe that after 20, 30 or 40 years in the church, they have arrived, that they represent the epitome of what Christianity is about, that there is little, if anything, left to learn or discover. Why is this? Pride is the answer for some. They prefer to live in the illusion that theirs is normal Christianity. The answer for others is that they truly believe that they have done all that is expected of them, that there is nothing else to learn, and that God has revealed in their experience everything he has to offer. It's not easy to look at your spouse and say, I have made more than my share of mistakes. This crisis in our home is driving me to my knees to pray as I have never prayed before. I'm not a Christian I ought to be. My relationship to God is cool and distant. Or I'm confused about my God, why God allowed this to happen. And I'm going to do something about it. Will you join me? For some, it will be the most difficult thing they have ever done. Moreover, the thought of exposing your fears, failures, frustrations, and doubts, even to a group of fellow Christians you can trust and who truly love and accept you, can be intimidating to some people. Actually, to do so at first can be painful. The pain is real, but again makes it worthwhile. The pain of humiliation, confession, and repentance is replaced by the gain of growth, strength, forgiveness, joy, discovery, encouragement, renewal, reconciliation. Also, speak of the new adventures in living that God, uh, in, in living that God will open to you. If you want to overcome your parental discouragement, you have to get involved in the rigors and discipline of spiritual growth. Your wayward son or daughter may not come back as did the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, 11 to 32, in the way or the time you desire. But a new beginning will have begun in you. And that's a start worth starting. Questions for discussion. What word describes your present feeling toward your wayward son or daughter? Number two. Do you identify with the idea of a need for healing? If so, what is the nature of your emotional wounds? What basic changes can you make in your attitude and behavior that will improve the atmosphere in your home? Number four, what does the phrase spiritual growth mean to you? 
Are you presently experiencing any? Describe this growth. Number five, how can spiritual growth be a healing process? Now, this brings us to the end of episode 15, Wounded Parents Overcoming Discouragement, Action Points for Deep Personal Healing for Parents with True Life Stories, a life-transforming question to ask yourself on our series on Perfect Relationship 24 Tools for Building Bridges to Harmony and Taking Down Walls of Conflict in Our Relationships questions for you. In reading or meditating on our post today, have you noticed similar patterns in your own relationship that you want us to discuss with the hope of dealing with these negative patterns? Please let us know. We will be eager to help out. You can send an email to us at info at attacker.org or put WhatsApp on SMS numbers. Uh, US numbers are plus one two four zero seven two eight seven two seven six. That's plus one two four zero seven two eight seven two seven six and Nigeria plus Two three four eight zero three two eight three five three four eight. You can do a voice recording or video recording and send us via those numbers. Shalom to you and your entire household if you have one. Stay out of pain and suffering by staying out of judgment, for judgment belongs to God. God's ego ministries where we are seeding the nations with God's word. And God is transforming lives through his timeless truth, one content at a time. We are one in Christ Jesus. Let's stay one evangelism, discipleship, counseling, healing, deliverance, restoration, and prayer without wars, borders, and denomination. Our website is www.otakada.org. That's O-T-A-K-A-D-A dot O-R-G. And uh, shop at shop.otakada.org for books and gifts. So this is the end of it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His countenance to shine upon you brightly as we come to the end of this month and begin a new day in the month of March. May the line begin to fall for you in pleasant places in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, and amen. Have a wonderful month, March.